Deep padded downfield, touchdown Miami! What a throw, Devontae Parker! Holy smokes, what a drive! What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your team, your Miami Dolphins, each and every day. How's it going, everybody? It is your Sunday night slash Monday morning recap edition of the Drive Time Podcast, and I am Travis Wingfield here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, five, count them, five, Five wins in a row. And do you know what that's called? That's called a winning streak. That is, in fact, called a winning streak. Lou Brown, the Dolphins have won five games in a row. Special teams come up big. Once again, the defense heats up Herbert and takes some of the shock out of the Chargers offense. Two Tua touchdowns and a strong running game is enough for the fifth straight Dolphins win. We'll get to the stats, the takeaways, the clips from post-game pressers, individual notes, and more. And we'll also welcome in John Kinjemi to get his takeaways from the game. All of that and more on this Victory Monday, November the 16th edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. And Drive Time is brought to you by AutoNation, where Dolphins fans can sell their vehicle for cash now. Visit AutoNation.com. And as we do weekly here, becoming a weekly thing five weeks in a row on this Victory Monday edition. Win, 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 win. That's right. That's five wins there from J-Rock on this Victory Monday edition. Let's go ahead and start as we do with the stats from this game. The Dolphins win the yardage battle by 7, 280 to 273. They outrush the Chargers 111 to 99. Miami with 169 passing yards. The Chargers with 174. The Dolphins were 5 out of 14 on third downs. The Chargers 4 for 13 against this top Dolphins defense, one of the top five defenses on third down. Both teams had a takeaway. Miami had two sacks of Justin Herbert. Tua Tungavailoa did not take a sack in the game. Miami only had three penalties for 15 yards. The Chargers had five for 31. And the T.O.P. time of possession was almost almost a dead heat. Miami had it for six or 30 minutes and six seconds, 12 seconds longer than the Chargers, I should say. 30 minutes and six seconds compared to 29 minutes and 54 seconds of T.O.P. for the Los Angeles Chargers. The Dolphins plus 74 point first half point differential is best in the NFL. Dolphins have now scored 21 points in eight consecutive games this season. It is the longest such streak since an eight-game regular season stretch in 2001, the last two games of that season and the first six games of 2002. The last time the Dolphins scored at least 21 points in eight consecutive games within one single season was 1984. We all know what happened then. Dan Marino threw for 5 million yards and 48,000 touchdowns that season when that team scored at least 21 points in all 16 games that year. So not there yet, but the Dolphins offense clicking right now. Eight straight games of over 21 points, the best since 1984 in one single season. And to kind of help us set up the takeaway segment of this Victory Monday edition of Drive Time, a couple of storylines I was keeping an eye on heading into this football game. I was really curious to see how Miami's rush package would attack Justin Herbert and kind of try to put pressure on the young quarterback. Would they go heavy and blitz the crap out of him? Would they play coverage and try to force him to maybe play more quarterback and make more decisive reads and kind of stand in the pocket and make plays that way? 
Well, it was a good mix of both those things. We'll talk about that plenty here on this edition of the Drive Time Podcast. I was also curious by how much they played two deep safeties in this game. Some of that, some of cover one, some cover zero. Again, we'll get into that. Did they spread it out with more receivers and tight ends since the running back experience in the game? We had a rookie who was in a second career game in the NFL, a second year player, an undrafted rookie last season, uh, or undrafted player last season, Patrick Laird, and a newcomer in DeAndre Washington who got here 12 days ago. Would they go after the receivers and tight ends? I was curious to take a look at that. We'll get to that. How would they replace Preston Williams reps with running backs, tight ends, receivers? Curious about that as well. And also the starting offensive line, which went Austin Jackson, Eric Flowers, Ted Karras, Solomon Kinley, and Jesse Davis at right tackle. Let's go ahead and open this thing up with my five takeaways. And we do start with takeaway number one. I teased it in the open there. The defensive game plan and the mix of looks on defense, both in the secondary and up front. Zero pressure, two high safety looks. You get a three and out out of that look and then a punt on another drive, one drive later. And then you come back on the following drive. It's third and 12. You go seven man pressure, cover zero, and the throw sails high over the target. That's the kind of pressure you put on teams with those looks. They have to play it perfectly to beat you from a read standpoint, from a protection standpoint, from a route standpoint, one false step, one slip, that thing is busted and it's over. The quarterback has to see it unfold correctly in that quick blur that he has, and then he has to be perfect from an accuracy standpoint. And that's, guys, that's why you bring in all these different guys with rush skills combined with something else, right? It's Jerome Baker who can rush but also cover. Same with Kamu Grugier-Hill. Elandon Roberts can rush the quarterback. That guy's been coming clean once a week, it seems like, the last five or six games. He can also go in there and knock the absolute paint off the helmet of the opposition in the running game. Van Ginkle, he can rush, he can cover, he can block punts, he can defend the run. Kyle Van Noy does everything. Emmanuel Ogba can beat you outside, inside, power, secondary move, redirect, underneath. I mean, with Emmanuel Ogba... He's now got a sack in six consecutive games, which is the tied for second longest streak in the history of the Miami Dolphins. Back in 2002, Jason Taylor had eight games in a row with a sack. We'll talk more about Emmanuel Ogba here in just one second. Shaq Lawson, who can play the run on the way to the quarterback. You've got all these guys that fulfill different roles. They don't really have a true position, and this causes absolute headaches because the quarterback cannot identify who is what. Who the hell is he going to call the mic? Who's he going to identify as a pair of defensive tackles in their their alignment, whether they're in double two techniques, they got a nose tackle, they go a one and a three technique, whatever they are. Those guys can fall back into coverage. And even now we're starting to see a guy like Benito Jones and Jason Strobridge, who's going to come up here in a later takeaway. And one quick aside on Jason Strobridge, Marion Hobby talked about him, a comment back in training camp saying, we're going to need him at some point, might not be week one, might not be week two. But he's put together a couple of good games with a few package of plays that I've been impressed with with Jason Strobridge. But you go back to the last play of the third quarter, the Jason Strobridge play, where the Dolphins are giving up a little bit of ground in the running game, but they've been tightening up on other reps. They go ahead and throw a little game with Strobridge, who gets a tackle for loss for negative two yards, where he loops around Benito Jones, who just fires off the snap and gets immediate knockback. And instant penetration causing someone to kind of tail off with him and Strobridge loops around. I mean, a fifth round draft pick this year, a UDFA this year, creating big plays through the scheme as the Dolphins go with a little twist or a stunt up front to make that happen. And just the marriage of the scheme and the position these guys are putting these players in and the execution of the players. I mean, truthfully, the only drive where I sat in that press box and thought, 
they're going to score on this drive was the one after the failed snap slash fumble return for Nick Vigil. And that's really it. Maybe at the end of the game when the Dolphins were up two scores and you kind of play lighter and, and try to prevent the big play from happening. Maybe then, but at that point, in my opinion, if you have to get an onside kick, you've got a long way to go to win the football game. But even on the drive that started at like the, what, 40, 37-yard line, if I'm being truthful, I genuinely thought on that play that Tua's tackle was going to save at least four points on that drive because of my faith in not just the players on the field, the coaches on the sideline, but the marriage of those two together and how they're mixing up this scheme with the talent they have. And just real quick, a quick aside on that point, talking about that fumble that got ran back into Dolphins territory. Let's hear what Ted Karras had to say about that tackle that Tua Tungavailoa made on that play. It's it's the privilege of a lifetime to play with guys that play with effort like that. And I mean, how much better praise can you give a young man than talking about the effort and the privilege of a lifetime? I just thought that was a really cool moment in the post-game presser from Ted Karras. But back to the defensive structure, they do that pressure look. They bring seven guys. They play cover zero. They drop eight and rush three. They rotate single too high. They go man coverage. They go cover one, cover three, cover six buzz, whatever it might be. I mean, they've got everything under the sun in this playbook. And maybe it took two or three weeks to kind of get this thing finely tuned and communicated. But my God, they are and it's just been a lot of fun to watch so far. You heard the veterans in the cornerback room, Byron Jones, Bobby McCain, Eric Rowe, some of those guys, talk about how these young guys are doing good to come along, and they're putting the work in to get themselves in position to make an impact, both in their limited roles, on their special teams roles, but in the future as well. They're putting that mental work in, but the veteran communication they have in that back end has been very valuable, and it definitely shows out there on a weekly basis. I put a note here for Elandon Roberts because I just wanted to make a note over the winning streak, how well this guy has played. Seems like every single week he's been making this play where he's instinctively shooting into the backfield, blowing up blocks, throwing guys off the side, but he also just works around guys too in the blocking game. And Brian Flores always says you can beat blocks in a variety of ways. You don't have to just go in there and slam your head into a wall. That seems to be a focal point for this defense this year, beating blocks and doing it in different ways. And they're getting that job done. Takeaway number two, communication. We talked about it in the secondary, the constant communication of that back group. And really the number take number two takeaway here for me is the defensive backs are as advertised, man. Eric Rowe and Bobby McCain, the Chargers longest play in this game prior to the Mike Williams 28 yard play or something like that on that final drive I talked about where they had to score, get an onside kick and score again on that Before that drive, the 28-yard play to Mike Williams, their longest play was 17 yards to Hunter Henry. They're playing that deep ball well, and they're not getting a whole lot up underneath either. And the Chargers were trying to get some of these route concepts up the field where you would see switches towards the top of the field. I was keeping an eye on it because that's one thing you can watch live that you can't see on the television all the time is the way the deep routes unfold. And I watched it in this game, and they were trying to shoot the ball downfield. They'd have multiple guys down there, and Herbert would... Check that two-man route combination deep and just check the thing off underneath because there's Bobby McCain running everything off at the pass. Byron Jones, Xavier Howard, Nick Needham, whoever it might have been, running that thing underneath and trail, getting it right into the help and really funneling and bracketing that particular deep shot option they might have there. You just constantly, constantly see these two safeties, Rowe and McCain, having quality communication, rotating, getting their their... There's not really any bust to happen where some guy runs free in the secondary 
and scores a long touchdown. It's just, it's just not happening right now. And the cornerbacks up front, Xavier Howard, he does what he does every single week. A huge interception in this game to really swing the momentum back in the favor of your Miami Dolphins. Byron Jones, again, rarely ever gets his name even called, but the tackle he had on Jalen Guyton on a third and 12, he picks up nine yards on the play. It's a straight crosser, and Jones already has outside leverage where he's lined up on the outside shoulder of Guyton, and he's going to run a straight crosser. And when you're in man coverage and that guy can run as fast as Jalen Guyton can run, it is tough because you basically have to run him down from behind, catch up to him, and get him to the ground short of the sticks. That is a tough, tough ask, but Jones runs it down flawlessly. That is such a big play right around midfield, getting close to the logo there at midfield. And he tracks him down and forces the Chargers punting team onto the field. A couple more first downs. Maybe they're in field goal range. Maybe he gets a bigger play out of that if Jones can't make the tackle. So big time play there from Byron Jones. We talked about the communication. It's just been so much fun to watch these guys play. Let's go ahead and hear from Xavier Howard about the marriage of coverage and pass rush really working together right now. And that's something the players have talked about quite a bit in the past. But I wanted to ask Xavier Howard because it looked like to me, from my vantage point, that Emmanuel Ogba had a big pressure on his interception. So I wanted to ask Xavier Howard how much confidence playing with that pass rush, knowing these guys are going to get home quickly, how much that helps them play aggressive on the back end and how it might help generate turnovers for a guy like Xavier Howard, who's five picks right now in the NFL lead the entire National Football um, League. You know, that, that's the way the coaches run for us and um – the guys, that's how they want us to play and be aggressive no matter what. So, you know, with everything working together and everybody making play, that's what it's all about on the defense. So they're playing aggressive up front. They're getting pressure on the quarterback and the back end. Eric Rowe, Bobby McCain, Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, Nick Needham, Brandon Jones. These guys are out there making plays. It's been awesome to watch this defense come together here in the middle part of the season. The third takeaway, let's go to the offensive side for some of their schematics. We see plenty of wildcat action out there, and that's just stuff you can continue to build off throughout the course of the season, throw in some wrinkles, and really just put plenty of stuff on tape, make the defense prepare for everything you offer. We've seen some RPO pops. Tua puts that thing in there, rides out the mesh point, pulls it back, throws a dart to either Mike Kosicki or Devontae Parker. They've got built-in deep shots they can take off this thing where Tua just kind of goes down the middle of the field, keys the safety. If he shades one side, go the other direction. That's been cool to watch. That screen down in the red zone to put Miami at the one-yard line before the Durham Smythe touchdown. thought that was a really cool design. You get some space down there. You give Savon Ahmed some, uh, some space to run with, rather, and then you get the touchdown on the throwback to Durham Smythe which was just sheer brilliance with a heavy package, especially after your first touchdown of the game off the blocked punt to Savan Ahmed. They show a very similar formation. You've got the heavy package. Here comes Julian Davenport and Robert Hunt into the package to get you that smash one yard you need on the ground, right? Well, the Dolphins did that at first. They even put Solomon Kinley's big butt back there at fullback, and he leads the way up for a touchdown run from Savan Ahmed. So they go back to the heavy package look, and they sneak Durham Smythe underneath the formation. And a lot of times that tight end will go to the backside and try to block off that backside of the formation. It's called split zone action when you have the tight end running against the formation. Well, he shows that action, but just leaks out into the flat and there's nobody out there because everybody thought that was going to be a running play. I think myself included, everybody in that press box included, and they spring a wide open touchdown pass from Tua to Durham Smythe, the easiest touchdown Tua will throw in his entire career. And with that touchdown, Smythe now has two receptions in the end zone on the season. And he joins fellow Dolphins tight ends, Mike Gesicki, who's got two touchdowns, and Adam Shaheen, who's got two touchdowns with multiple TD catches this season. The last time the Dolphins had three tight ends each have multiple touchdown catches in a season, 
We went back to 1984 earlier. We're going back to 1985 with Bruce Hardy and Joe Rose, who both caught four, and Dan Johnson caught three touchdowns that season. Back to the offensive scheme. Let's go ahead and hear what the quarterback, Tua Tungavailoa, has to say or what he thinks about Chan Gailey and this Dolphins offensive system. To be honest, I think Chan's just finding ways to put guys in certain areas or certain positions to become successful. Uh, we're trying to put guys defensively in a bind um, to where we can take advantage of them. Um, and, yeah, I, I think um, up to this point, um, we got to continue to execute on those things, but uh, it's still a work in progress. So we'll continue to look at the film when it comes time tomorrow and continue to grow from there. We're going to hear from we're going to hear about Tua Tagovailoa later on the show with John Kinjemi. But first, I want to go ahead and just play another quick aside for you guys. Some audio from Tua. The very last question of his press conference, he was asked about the first throw of the game to Mike Asiki, a 23-yard rip on the move, and he kind of broke the play down for us. I just thought it was cool to listen to him and the recall he had on the very first play of the game. Here's Tua's recall on the first pass to Mike Asiki. Well, knowing I, I got out free and there wasn't a rusher in my face, I was able to decipher, you know, what that corner was going to do. If he was going to stay back, take Mike on the flag, or he's going to step up and take uh, Savan on the flat, um, you know, and kept going out. He made his decision and, you know, just stuck to my rules and gave Mike a chance. And Mike did make the play when he got that chance there. Another player who made his the most of his chances was Savon Ahmed. Damn near popped 100 yards in this game. Wound up with 86. Had a couple of losses there late to kind of push him back. And this was a thing that I was kind of watching for, just like the four-man pressure looks combined with the zero pressure looks they would show was what was the running back position going to look like with no Miles Gaskin still on injury reserve, with Matt Breida not being active for this game, with Chandler Cox and, and Jordan Howard both inactive as well. You've got Savon Ahmed's second career game. DeAndre Washington just got here 12 days ago, and then you've got second-year pro UDFA from last year, Patrick Laird, and these guys come together for 111 rushing yards, no sacks in the quarterback, and they had what Ted Karras thought was their best rushing day, their best year up front this season for the Miami Dolphins? Well, I think that everyone's been working really hard. We've placed an emphasis on the run game. We've been, uh, you know, not where we wanted to be um, throughout the, the start of this year. But heading into the second half of the year, we really wanted to emphasize it. And I think everyone, you know, had their best game uh, in the run game. Uh, Savon had a great game. Um, and everyone, you know, did their job. And it was a, a, a great unit effort and team effort to, to win this game. And you heard Ted there talk about Savon. Why don't we go ahead and hear from Zavon himself, who, again, was kind of the bell cow on the day, led the Dolphins in rushing and rushing attempts and rushing yards, had a touchdown as well. Here's Zavon Ackman on what's allowed him to produce so quickly now, just two games into his NFL career, 86 rushing yards in game number two. Love this answer. I think Zavon Ahmed's going to be a guy that people start to gravitate towards in terms of his press conferences because his are a lot of fun. Uh, you know, just just practicing hard and asking questions. You know, not being not being too proud to ask questions. You know, there's a lot of older guys in that room and a lot of guys on this team that you know that want to help, especially guys. You know, young guys like me, first year. Um, you know, this this team is, is is a family. So, you know, I just ask a lot of questions and you know go out there and, and attack practice as best I can. So that's your third takeaway there, the offensive schematics and some running game progress and Tua Tungabailoa talking about the chemistry and the scheme there with Chan Gailey. Let's go ahead and jump into our fourth takeaway, and it's got to be the special teams, right? This team continues to make big plays every single week on special teams. We start this game off with a blocked punt. Ball winds up at the one-yard line, and I wanted to say it in the podcast, but I'm not one for predictions on the podcast. I told my buddy, he's I, I tagged it on Twitter, 
The Dolphins were going to have a blocked punt in this game. I felt it was coming. They were getting close. This is an opportunity to make a big play in the kicking game. And boy, did they. That was fun to see. Puts the ball on the one-yard line. Get the touchdown right away off of that. Jakeem Grant has punt returns of 18, 19, 21 yards. A 50-yard field goal from Jason Sanders, which gets his streak all the way up to 22 consecutive and 19 made kicks this year without a field goal miss. He would then later miss a field goal in the fourth quarter, but he then started the streak back over again. One consecutive made field goal with a 49-yard kick there to help Miami get that 29-14 lead late in the fourth quarter. Matt Hawk had a 62-yard punt and the return man allowed this thing to drop. It turned over and over and rolled down inside the five-yard line. And it was cooking. And Mac Hollins ran his butt down there and grabbed that thing, threw it back into the field of play, get them down at the five-yard line. That then turns into a Jakeem Grant 21-yard kick return. And then the 50-yard field goal there from Jason Sanders. So the special teams just stacking up all these good plays. Had a couple of kickoffs that pinned the Chargers deep. One at the 15, or the 14 rather, brought back half the distance to the seven-yard line. Another one later in the game, right around the 15-yard line as well. So kicking game, punting game, kickoff game, coverage units, return team, they're all just getting the job done. And let's go ahead and actually hear from Coach Flores on the blocked punt and just in general the value of the kicking game and how this team has kind of taken it upon themselves to, to play well in the third phase of the game. Danny Crossman, our special teams coordinator, comes up with you know, some schemes every week and you know, we don't get to run it all the time, but we had an opportunity to get that run early. We were aggressive with it. And, you know, like you said, we had some little bit of shift in motion, uh, moving guys around, and we felt like, you know, it was an opportunity to, to maybe get a rush. We got it. But the big thing is executing it. You know, oftentimes you can draw something up and it, it – it hits the way you want it to hit, whether it's a run play, a pass play, a defense, but then you got to make the play. So it was a great block um, and a recovery and we were able to punch it in. So that was my question for coach. You heard him say you had mentioned that we had a shift and some things move around there. There was a little bit of a late shift there before the snap where the Dolphins got the look like coach mentions. They go ahead and make that call, make that rush and get the big block, the big payoff there on the backside of that thing. Really, really cool to see the way that worked out. The fifth and final takeaway here, total team football. And this is what I'm talking about with complimentary. We're going to talk about it later with John Kinjemi. Two sequences to start and close the game. And we'll go ahead and put a a third one in there as well. And not officially the close of the game, the drive that got the football back at 29-14 for Miami. The Nick Needham sack to open the game. You get Emmanuel Ogba, condenses inside, rushes inside, gets a pressure on Justin Herbert, forces him to flee to his right, and there's Nick Needham on the blitz. You force the quarterback to go where the pressure comes from, and that's how they got him on this one, got him down. And that was kind of playing off the previous takeaway they get a, a late blitz, I guess what you want to call it, where the jammer, the guy that jams the gunner, kind of creates a void for Andrew Van Ginkle. Maybe the, the punter catches that with his eye and says, oh man, I got to hurry up this operation, forces them to drop the football there and get you that punt on the low, or the punt block on the low snap. Then the Dolphins come back out and go heavy with Kimley at fullback and Savon Ahmed walks in for a one-yard touchdown. So Needham and Ogba on defense, Van Ginkle and Jamal Perry and the rest of the punt team getting the ball back on the punt team. Uh, Solomon Kimley, Savon Ahmed, all these guys from different parts of the team coming and contributing to make that big play. Total team football to get that seven points on the board. The defensive series, the very end of the game, the Xavier Howard pick. Big time players make big time plays in big time games, right? Emmanuel Ogba 
gets the sack on the previous play coming off the block where he has to use his his eyes. He, he locks up the right tackle. Brian Balaga, one of the game's best for a long time, locks him up, sees Herbert try to flee up through that B-gap off the left shoulder of that right tackle inside. He disengages, gets him down for the sack. Keep your eyes on the quarterback. Make a big play. Awesome work again for Emmanuel Ogba. That play was set up by the Strobridge tackle for loss we talked about earlier in the podcast. And then Xavier Howard jumps it and gets a pick because of more pressure from Emmanuel Ogba, which forces an early throw, gets the football out, and then X, like he does game in and game out, makes the big game-changing pick. And then we finish up with the final four and out of the game to, to really seal this victory and get the Dolphins in a victory formation. Zach Sealer with the retrace on a, a play away from him. He comes down and bears that thing down. That's why I tweeted out that Zach Sealer is a bad, bad dude because he just buried that guy on a big hit. You get a big tackle off the edge by a cornerback. I think it was Byron Jones. I'll have to check the tape. And then you get the Emmanuel Ogba pressure to force the incompletion on the final down. So they just continue to make these plays together and stack up good plays together. And I think that's a credit to... What type of team this team is? As Coach Flores says, as much as they, they they play for each other so dang much, how they're hungry for each other, I think that string of plays can be traced to that because that momentum builds and the opportunities gets guys charged up and they're talented and well-coached enough to make those plays. Let's go ahead and hear from Coach Flores and what he thinks about his football team right now. I, I love this one. We have a mentally tough team. I think... I think this this team they, they they know that it's important. You know, it's a week-to-week league. How we prepare, how we practice, how we walk through is a is a direct correlation to how we to how we play. I think I think they understand that. You know, there's there's this is a hungry group. They 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 fight for each other. It's important to them. They're competitive, so so they work at it, and you're seeing the fruits of that labor out on the field. It wasn't perfect. We know we got a long way to go. We know it's hard to, 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 to win in this league. Uh, and we just take it one game at a time. We, we're not looking you know, down the road. We're looking at you know, the next day, the next meeting, the next practice, and just trying to take it one day at a time. And I think that's the approach that, you know, that's my message to the team on a daily basis. And you know, hopefully they're, 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 they're you know, kind of listening to it. And I think that's, probably the best approach. And that has been the approach for this Miami Dolphins team. Still a long way to go. Seven games left in the schedule, but your Miami Dolphins, six and three through the first nine games. That's the first time that's happened since the 2001 season. So enjoy this hot start. Enjoy it so far. Before we get to John Jemmy here for his three takeaways, let's go ahead and finish up with some individual notes here. We'll talk more about the players on the Tuesday podcast with the, or yeah, the Tuesday All-22 film review podcast, but just a couple of notes on Tua. Thought the anticipation on the whip route from Jakeem, the pivot route in the end zone was a great read and great timing. He flashes his numbers to the quarterback. He shows that, gets the ball right on time. And Jakeem said afterwards, coaches told him all week, just find that zone, sit in that soft zone, and Tua's going to find you with the football there. And that's exactly what happened. He also had some really nice anticipation throws to Jakeem on the out routes where he's not out of the break yet. The cornerback's kind of key in the quarterback, key in the receiver, and he can drive on that thing, but there's a trust there, a chemistry there developing between he 
and Jakeem Grant on those out throws to really have that timing and, and, and rhythm down to make those things happen and not have them get caught and ran back the other way because they're late, a beat late on the timing on those throws. We talked about the Gasecki die on the rollout, the layers concept, players coming over the formation, two of mentions getting out clean with the free rusher and just throws an absolute strike right there. Talked about the tackle on the on the bad fumble on the fumble on the bad snap there as well. And then of course the play where he broke out of that sack and almost threw a touchdown downfield to Jakeem Grant. That would have been a highlight real play forever. Just missed that one, but it gives you an idea of the twitch and ability to escape pressure and get off script and make plays that way as well. Had a nice couple of RPO rips, one to Mike Gasicki right in stride, and I just thought he played a good game in general. We'll talk more about that again with John Kinjemi. Savan Ahmed, two 18-yard runs. That's awesome to see. I wrote down he's just got really good balance where he can kind of stay on his feet with through contact, a good shifty player with good balance that way as well. At receiver, Devontae, the catch on the 50-50 ball on third and 10. That is vintage Devontae Parker. How cool is that to see? Malcolm Perry had that crazy carry where he reverses field out of the wildcat look. Looks like a loss of six, winds up gaining six. You see some of his running ability that led to 2,017 rushing yards at college last season. At tight end, I had Smythe with awesome down block, condensing the edge on one of the big Ahmed runs. I also had Adam Shaheen with a good block to create a nice C-gap on another big Savon Ahmed run. The offensive line, Solomon Kinley had a crushing block on the touchdown we talked about from the fullback position. I thought Eric Flowers played a hell of a football game, creating big lanes off the left side, getting some really good surge. I thought Ted Karras had some good blocks as well, where he created plenty of surge up front. And Austin Jackson and Jesse Davis as well, getting some space off the edge, kind of closing that thing down for a pair of uh, Savon Ahmed runs as well. We talked about Emmanuel Ogba. He's in the notes every single week, collapsing the edge, getting his hands in the football, getting sacks. We talked about Zach Sealer. This guy's in the notes frequently, early, and often. TFL beats a block, forces running backs to bubble, gets knockbacks, gets pressure on the quarterback. I also thought Raekwon Davis had a nice couple of snaps where he stacked things up and disengaged and got himself in the backfield for some plays. Kyle Van Noy left and came back in the game, had an injury to his hip. He was questionable to return. He did come back. Love the way he cleans up runs in the, in the running game and has his his, uh, his his run fits and his gap responsibility. Really, he's solid in that way every single week. Talked about a Landon Roberts. Van Ginkle had a huge quarterback hit on a third down to get the defense off the field at the end of the first half. My very first note of the game was awesome backside close down from Brandon Jones for a tackle after three yards. Nick Needham had a pass breakup right after his sack on a later drive to help the defense get off the field. Xavier Howard, Eric Rowe, Bobby McCain, Byron Jones, all those guys making plays again as well. So this team getting it done on special teams, on offense, on defense. Check out the content on MiamiDolphins.com. We'll break this thing down more in depth on the All-22 review. For now, let's go ahead and turn this thing over to my good friend, John Congemi of the Audible Podcast for his three takeaways from Dolphins 29, Chargers 21. And joining me now, as he does every Sunday night, a tradition like no other here on Drive Time with five consecutive wins for your Miami Dolphins, is the co-host of the Audible podcast and John Kinjemi. John, how you doing tonight? I am doing great, man. Another kind of kind of a nail biter, but not really. It was like a weird game to <laughs> to kind of sit through because you felt good and then you felt kind of you know not so sure, and then all of a sudden you felt secure. So it, it was a fun game at the end to really uh, sit back and enjoy. One of the things I pointed out earlier on the podcast was that I never felt like 
stressed out that the defense was going to have a letdown or whatever until that fumble they picked up and ran back. But even then, I was expecting them to get a stop and hold them to three points there. They did not. But like you mentioned, the rest of the game, it just never really seemed that the Dolphins lost control of it or that things were starting to avalanche in that direction. Maybe that's one of your three takeaways. I don't know. Let's go ahead and start here, though, first with your number one takeaway from Dolphins 29, Chargers 21. John. Well, it's generating early momentum. I, I think the Dolphins have done an excellent job, not only against uh, the Chargers at home, but you know, in, in the last month, they found ways either by offense, special teams, or defense to generate early momentum and get points or set up points by those exceptional plays. And Van Ginkle was uh, the man on the spot today for the Miami Dolphins, not only pressuring the pocket uh, many times and, and hitting uh, the rookie Herbert, but also getting that block punt early, which Jamal Perry recovers at the one, uh, the offense and, of line and Ahmed punch it in from there. And, and you feel like, wow, those are those are found points that you weren't counting on. And it really just gives you a shot in the arm. It gives you the confidence to go ahead and say, we're going to roll the dice on defense. We're going to show a lot of pressure. We're going to leave the middle of the field uncovered. We're going to get after the young quarterback and make him beat us. I think it, it kind of set up the Dolphins to, to play defense, that block punt and special teams, because Herbert was either going to throw for 450 and five touchdowns, or he was <laughs> going to have a day like he had today. He was 20 for 32 for 187. And most of those big chunk yards came in that last drive for the touchdown. So, it was that early momentum that kind of set the stage for the defense, kind of set the stage the way the offense was going to play because you're stealing points in the first, you know, five minutes of the game. Yeah, and like you mentioned there, you know, that's something that Coach Flores has talked about in the past. He doesn't really concern himself with the stats because they don't always tell the full context of the game. I, I felt like Herbert, I mean, he just didn't have a good game. And Coach said that we put him in position in that game to be kind of uncomfortable and have to go outside of that comfort zone. And I thought they just did a hell of a job on a quarterback who came into this game absolutely red hot. And you mentioned, you know, getting the the unexpected points early. You and I are over here, like every game now, it seems like saying, wow, we're seven nothing, 14 nothing. By the end of the first half, we're up by a bunch of points. Last week, Tua's fourth snap, he's got a 7-0 lead. This week, his second snap, he's got a 7-0 lead. So like you mentioned, good points there, John. What is your second takeaway from this game? I just thought the Dolphins did a really good job of following up that early momentum by winning the hidden yards. Uh, I thought in special teams and in field position, the Dolphins had a clear advantage in the entire game. I thought Jakeem Grant, not only as a receiver, but as a punt returner, did an excellent job of flipping the field and moving, uh, moving the ball up 10 or 15 and sometimes 20 yards. That's two big first downs that two in the offense don't have to grind out. You know, you, you're going to have series where you're three and out you just drop a pass or you're inaccurate with a throw or you get stuffed for a, a loss in a run you need to find hidden yards and I think the team did that really well they won field position I think in the first half they may have had five possessions they got it on the plus one they had a, a minus 44 a plus 47 uh, they, they were in pretty good field position and then in the second half I think they were in plus territory a couple of times again or around midfield so they didn't have to go far for points, and they didn't have to go far to put a young quarterback in a hole and ha have him have to make a lot of plays to get in scoring position. So I thought I thought the team did a really good job, and the coaching staff 
did a really good job calling the game, number one, but execution and putting the Chargers on a long field and on a short field defensively, that helped Miami today. John, you mentioned the getting the two or three extra first downs because of the big returns. And this at this point, it's become a weekly thing with the special teams group. Like, I think they have an argument for, if not one of the very best special teams unit, top to bottom in the entire National Football League. And you mentioned those hidden yardage. I was very adamant about that in my takeaway segment, how these big Jakeem Grant returns, the big flip field on Matt Hawk punts, as an, as an offensive coordinator or offensive player, or even anybody in the team in general, do you look at that, like those two extra first downs, and say, that's more we can keep in our playbook, in our back pocket, and save for more critical downs because we don't have to have a drive starter here that gets us, like you mentioned, out to midfield. Does that kind of play into the mind of the coaching staff? I think, you, I, I think it does because it doesn't apply unnecessary stress to the play caller and the quarterback on offense. And it doesn't apply unnecessary stress to a defensive coordinator when you're saying, hey, I gotta, I have to try to create something to happen right now because they're on the verge of they're in field goal range. You know, when you're teeing it up as a defense and the opposing offense has the ball on the 12 yard line, on the 18 yard line, on the 15 yard line, you feel like you're going to you're going to catch fire. You'll get your rhythm as a defense and as a play caller to get after the opposing quarterback or be able to have that luxury to give up a big explosive play and not really get into field position where you're in scoring range already. So you have chances. And I, I think it, it applies to every phase of the game. It, it just takes that undue stress away from the play callers and the undue stress away from the edge rusher or the corner that feels like he has to make a play or the quarterback forcing the football. When you say, okay, we, it didn't go real well, but we're still punting the football from our own 35 or 40 yard line. We're going we're gonna to be three plays away from getting the ball back in excellent field position. So don't worry about uh, taking that gamble now. Let's extend the, the game a little bit longer. And it's so cliche to say every week that this team plays complimentary football. Every team on the face of the planet wants to do it. But, I mean, you said it right there. They, they literally are every single week just play stack on top of each other. One unit picks up the other unit. It's, it's a lot of fun to watch and a ton of fun right now to be around this team, John. I, I can't be more grateful for how my rookie season's going so far. It's been so much fun to watch this football <laughs> well, team you play. Should, you should enjoy it. You should have seen the pain that I've suffered over the past uh, 15 years. <laughs> hey, I was with you in spirit and, and on my couch, just not there in the I press box. But I can see how that would get a little more stressful. But man, it's it's been so much fun to watch. And with that, let's go ahead and get your third takeaway from the Dolphins' fifth straight victory this season you know I, I was torn a little bit on this because I thought there was you know I thought Tua made enough plays to win you know he's three and oh as a starter that could be a highlight so you know I wanted to mention that and I, I think this team's getting comfortable playing in any type of game yeah and I think that's my takeaway uh for my third one because in tight football games you got to remember the Arizona game was it was back and forth it was like you know a tennis match and you're just going, who's going to, you know, who's going to hit the winner down the line and who's going to hit the drop shot to, to win this and just, you know, end the, end the set. That's what you felt like. And today you felt a little bit like the dolphins are in control, but I'm not a hundred percent convinced, but they still played like they were in control. Yeah. They didn't panic. You didn't see any, anything unnecessary uh, penalties. You saw a couple false starts, but three penalties for 15 yards. That's a win. I just feel feel like this team's getting comfortable playing in places where they weren't comfortable in the past. And I think that goes from the top down. 
from ownership, the way that this this organization's run, to the coaching staff, the way the coaches and the assistants, the way they run practice, the way they're demanding on whether you're a pro bowler or you're a rookie. Here's the standard. Come out and do it every day. And I think it's carrying over, or at least it's starting to bleed into Sundays because this team is playing that way. Hey, big play doesn't phase us. Come back and let's do it in, in two other phases of the game. We'll catch up and we'll find a way to win. That's fun to watch as a fan, and it, it's fun to watch these guys go out and start stacking the wins together. So I guess getting they're getting comfortable playing winning football, and it's not always 21 nothing. Some games are tighter than others, and they have to find ways to win, and I think they're getting comfortable doing that. And Coach Flores says much post-game that the way these guys apply themselves in practice, the walkthroughs, the meetings, it's a direct correlation to what you're seeing on the field, and they understand that. They're hungry for each other. Again, just more fun with this football team. And you also mentioned the, I'm glad you mentioned two of there because I also get this sense, and this goes back to his college days. I mean, obviously the first college game he played, I always feel, you know, as someone watching Tua down on the field and I don't have any control over what's going on, I always feel the utmost confidence when the offense has to have it, you know? Last week we saw it in the Arizona game. This week, the Chargers go down and answer, and it's 20 to 14, and all of a sudden the offense needs an answer, and they go out there and get a field goal. So I just, I always feel like there is some semblance of control when, when you know, the big, the big pressure moments, he seems to rise to them. So five straight wins. John, we got a game next week on the road in Denver. Hopefully another victory for us on the next Sunday night recap podcast, and we'll see you again in two weeks, my friend. Thank you so much for your help. Sounds great, Travis. Thank you. And away he goes, John Kinjemi of the Audible Podcast. Love talking football with John, both in the press box at the practice field and here on the Sunday night slash Monday morning edition, the victory edition of the Drive Time Podcast. In the meantime, that's going to be my time. What a great day this was. I didn't get a chance to watch the Cardinals and Bills ending yet. I was on the red zone at the press box, but I, I wasn't quite watching because I was writing my story and doing the, the post-game pressers with coach and the players. So I saw the result, but I haven't seen the play yet. It's about 9.45, 10 o'clock here on the East Coast uh, recording this podcast. I'm excited to watch the rest of the Ravens and Patriots game, but I cannot wait to watch the highlights because I didn't see that play. But the Dolphins get their fifth straight victory. Go ahead and check out the Audible podcast with Kimbo Camper and John Kinjemi. Also check out the Fish Tank podcast. Again, highlight recommend their Brandon Marshall episode. Seth Levitt, OJ McDuffie. Go ahead and give me a follow on Twitter. It's at WingfieldNFL. Subscribe, rate and review the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from, go ahead and do that for us. Check out MiamiDolphins.com. The player spotlight is the special teams unit this week, and we have the recap story up there as well. All your content every single day here, MiamiDolphins.com, Drive Time Podcast Network. We've got tons of good stuff for you guys. Thank you for listening. We'll see you back next time. In the meantime, fins up.